Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Hallelujah. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. What we call fellowship is very important in the Christian life. Amen? Do you all agree? Fellowship of the saints. The Bible refers to the fellowship of the saints. That's very important that we don't forsake gathering together, fellowshipping with one another, connecting with the body. Even the Bible talks about discerning the body. Many, because they don't discern the body, they're weak. And so what does it mean to discern the body? Understand that you're part of a body. You're not alone. You can't just be a Christian sitting at home on Sunday, going nowhere. You've got to be plugged in to a local church where there's a strong uh, connection and fellowship and communion with other believers. Amen. Accountability, encouragement that comes from that. Amen. How many of you realize that? How many of you see the value of that in your life? Amen. That you can't be a Christian alone. So we have the fellowship of the saints together. But then there's also another part of that. And that's what we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, The grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the presence, and fellowship, the communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So you can see, as much as we fellowship with one another, there's also this concept of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Communion with the Holy Spirit. The word communion, koinonia in the Greek, means sharing, partnership. Think about that. The Holy Spirit is our partner in life. He's our helper. How many of you need help? Hallelujah. I have a very short prayer that will work for you. Holy Spirit, help. He's your helper. Don't do life alone. You can't do life alone. You can't, especially the Christian life. You can't do it alone without brothers and sisters, without being connected to a local body of believers. That's important. The local church is where you get connected. Amen. You can't just connect online. I mean, you can't just be watching some ministry on the other part of the world online. That's wonderful. People think they can do that, but you're not connected. You're still by yourself. Amen. So it's important to get connected because you can't serve. Amen. And get connected and be a part of what God's doing. And then, of course, there is the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So we come to church. When we gather together, especially, you know, we talk about the the gatherings in the church, the church services, the church meetings, whatever we call the gatherings, right? Sunday morning, 10 a.m., Sunday evening, 7 p.m., you know, we got the prayer on Tuesday, we got the, the midweek service on Wednesday, and we've got the men's groups, women's groups, and then, of course, the youth group on Thursday. So the, these are all us coming together, all right? So when we come together, there's a twofold fellowship. We are fellowshipping with one another. One, one dimension is that we come together as believers. Iron sharpens iron. We need one another. We have to be connected to one another. Amen. The eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you because we have need of each other. So we need to get connected. We need to develop those relationships. And I know one of the challenges we have here 
you know, in Western culture is quite different than as opposed to like maybe other cultures where, and, and some of you come from other cultures and you understand what I'm talking about. The family, the connection is a lot more, but the Western culture, especially in America, has become the most isolated culture. And it's by design. They want people isolated. They want people isolated, depressed on, and on all kinds of medication. And, and just that, that's, that's, it's, it's terrible what's happening to people. So we need to find strength from being together with the body. Amen. How many of you get blessed just by getting around brothers and sisters and fellowshipping? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. So we get, we get filled up by being around other people that are filled up. Now, you don't get filled up by being around a bunch of grouchy religious people. Amen. They're going to drain you. They're going to sap your energy. But when you get around people that are joyful, on fire, want to serve the Lord, and have passion, and love God, love His Word, you're going to get filled up. You're going to get encouraged. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We need that, right? You need that. But then there's the other dimension of why we come to church. We can't just come to church to a gathering just to gather as people we have to also gather together with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there in their midst. Well, we know that Jesus is not on the earth. So he's at the right hand of the Father. He's coming back. So he said, I, leave, I will leave you, but I will send you another comfort to the Holy Spirit to be with you. He will replace me to be with you. And it's actually better that I go away because I can be only in one place at one time but the holy spirit can be everywhere all the time and he can be in all around the world filling every believer and then also coming to bring his presence presence among the people that gather and then we have his presence see i like that and the presence and fellowship the communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hallelujah. So you can see the presence. So without the presence of the Holy Spirit, then we're not fulfilling our mandate as a church. All we're doing is we're just gathering as people. But if we're not inviting and allowing the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and touch us and, and then we sense His presence, we... We get filled up, we get anointed, we get blessed. Amen. And when the presence of the Holy Spirit is there, everything's different. I'll be honest with you, time goes by and I'm like, really? Wow. You know why? Because think about this. We're going to be in His presence eternally. You think you're going to get bored from heaven? Yeah, I'm just kind of bored with heaven. Is there someplace else I can go, please? I'm just tired of walking on streets of gold. Um, living in my mansion, being surrounded by the glory of God and, and, and eating from the tree of life and drinking from the river that flows from the throne and uh, just, just getting a little boring. Is there another planet that I can go back to? Maybe I can go live on Mars, the red planet. I can guarantee you, not, not one of you will miss earth. Not one of you will miss earth as it is today. Because we'll be in the new heavens and the new earth and in the city of God. Not one person will, man, I like to go back and live in my house I had there in, in, you know, in, in West Palm Beach in the Wellington. Uh, man, I lived on a golf course, man. You know. Not one of you are going to, you will not miss. As a matter of fact, I've heard of people that came back 
that were resurrected and, and in their testimonies they were like you know the moment they like left their bodies they even forgot about everything like they literally forgot about the earth and just forgot about everything they didn't even think about anything and then some of them when they came back they were like upset why'd you bring me back man i was in the glory now i'm, I'm here what <laughs> only if the Lord sends them back and the Lord speaks to them and sends them back hallelujah so we are fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit the presence of God has to be in the gathering of the saints otherwise it's just another meeting it's no different than some people gathering for an insurance seminar or some self they're going to a Tony Robbins self-help teaching guru Oh, we got some great teaching and principles. That's not the church. The church is not some seminar. The church is the place where God's presence must come and dwell. Amen. God dwells in the praises of his people. And then God dwells in the people who praise him. So there's the twofold presence. There's the presence within, and then there's the presence that comes around you, the, the cloud of glory that comes. Hallelujah, huh? You're so blessed. Because we want to we wanna have the presence of God. Can you imagine having church without the presence of God? Why would you want to go there? Well, I want to see my friends. Then, that, then, it, then it becomes something, nothing but just natural. Then go, you can go see your friends and hang out at the beach or hang out at, the, uh, at a coffee shop. But we don't come to church. I know people, I mean, that would come to church just to network for their business. So they can pass out business cards. It doesn't work here because they get convicted and we run them out. Because if you come with the wrong motives, you're either going to get right with God and stay. Or if you, if you got the wrong motives, I mean, and you might have even come here for a girl or a guy. But I pray you stay for the Lord. But you have to cultivate, we have to cultivate, we have to cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit, the communion, the sharing, the partnership with the Holy Spirit, His presence, la presencia de Dios. Amen. Hallelujah. Rabbin Varle. Rabbin Gerkemi, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord filled the temple like a cloud. And the priest could not even function or minister. So we have to have the glory of the Lord. It has to come. So this building is a gathering place. But more than a gathering place, it must become a dwelling place. See, it's a gathering place for the believers. But it must become a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. So we actually gather in His presence. So there's, two, there's the twofold reason for the local church. And those who cut themselves off from the local church cut themselves off from both. Well, can I not have the presence of the Holy Spirit? You, you can have the indwelling presence at home by yourself, but you're not going to have the corporate presence that only comes when the saints come together. That is different. And that's at an, another level of, of anointing that comes. So that's why we're told not to forsake gathering together. So we're, we're gathering together, but we're also coming into the presence of the Lord. So we're not only gathering together to have fellowship with one another, but we're coming to experience, enjoy, 
and to partner with, to share together, to participate in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that's on the earth right now. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. Since the day of Pentecost, the beginning of the church age, the age of grace, this is the age of the Holy Spirit. This is the church age. This is the age where the church, Jesus is building his church. Like he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this is the age of the church. We are now currently in the period of the church age. A period of time when the church had a beginning and the church will have an end. Church as we know it. Because church is, are the ones that are called out from the world. So we are here in the world, not of the world. We're called out to come out from among them and to gather together to be God's people. But then one day, we know that's coming very soon, the trumpet will blow with the shout of the archangel, the command given. We'll be changed in the blink of an eye. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And those who are alive will be changed in the blink of an eye and we, we will receive our new bodies and our salvation will be completed because that's the last stage your spirit saved your soul is being saved but your bodies are still the same old bodies mortal but we will be, receive immortal spiritual bodies and those bodies will not be bound by the law of gravity So I believe that's what's going to happen. The moment you receive your supernatural body, you're no longer bound by the earth. You're no longer bound by the earth realm. You're no longer bound by the first heaven, the atmosphere. You can leave the first heaven without the space shuttle and an astronaut suit because you'll, you'll have a new suit. Your spirit will have a new shell, a new dwelling place tabernacle do you understand me and so we'll be gone and we'll meet the lord on the in the clouds and that time the church age will be over it doesn't mean salvation will come to an end it doesn't mean the holy spirit's leaving the holy spirit will still be on the earth because jesus still hasn't returned yet he hasn't stepped foot on the earth so during the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation that's going to follow the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit's still here because you see people being saved. You see people being anointed. The 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the two witnesses, people are being anointed. There's still supernatural happening. There's still the Holy Ghost moving. There's still people realizing, oh my God, I missed the rapture. They told me about it in church, but I just was too busy with other things and I missed the rapture. There'll be some... Christians that will probably be very, very sad. Others might even be offended with God and completely deny him. He left me behind. You know, there'll be, yeah, there'll be those reactions too. But there'll be some people that will be a, a shock and a rude awakening for them. Like, what have I done? I, I missed my opportunity. The door was open and I was, I ran out of oil. And my, my lamp went out and I lost my way. I lost my way and I was trying to find my way. I was looking for a church where I can get some oil, but there were all, all the churches that had oil were gone. And I went to churches that were still open, but they had no oil. Because I guarantee you, after the rapture, there'll some people, some, there'll be churches that will be open. 
some of those churches that are ordaining homosexual clergy, marrying same-sex couples, all you know, inclusive, woke churches, they'll be open with their pastors or priests or whatever. They'll show up to do their thing. And they'll have a drag queen preach the Sunday morning message. And they'll have drag queens reading. Well, I don't think they'll be reading to the children. I think the children will be gone, but in kids' church. I mean, do you see what I'm, where I'm going with this thing? This is real. This is not some fairy tale, some story. This is real. This is Bible. This is the Word of God. This is going to happen. So we have to be ready. So that's why it's so important that we fellowship with the presence of the Holy Spirit because that's why we receive that oil. So can I, can, can I put this out for you to ponder? Can I just put this out there for you to say la? Think about. Okay, so if you have the five, if you have the ten virgins, five are wise, five are foolish. Okay, and the five foolish virgins were together, gathered. So they had church. They gathered but they didn't have any oil they didn't they had fellowship with the other foolish virgins but they didn't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit so they didn't have any oil so could we say could I just put this out there for you to say la ponder that the five wise virgins were the ones who not only gathered together valuing the fellowship of the Saints one another but they also understood and valued and cultivated the atmosphere of fellowshipping in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So they were anointed and they had oil and they were strong and they were in tune to the things of the Spirit. How about that? What do you think? You think that works? That's why it's very important that we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The koinonia of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, by the way, not just a tongue or a shaking or a rolling on the floor or running around the building he's a person the third person of the Godhead so he has he is a spirit we know that he's a Holy Spirit so he is def definitely holy he's not unclean so he's not gonna have fellowship with unclean things amen and he also has a soul he has a mind will and emotions the Bible says he searches the minds and who knows the, the mind of the spirit and mind so he has a mind he has an intellect. He has strategies. He knows what he's doing. He has emotions. He can be grieved. Amen. And he has a will. It's as the Spirit wills that the gifts of the nine gifts of the Spirit are distributed among the saints. It's as the Spirit wills. Not our will, but his will. So he has a mind, will, and emotions. He's a person. Amen. And he has some form of a body that's different. But he has a spiritual body that has manifested to some people. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a feeling. He's not a sense. He's not a shouting. He's not hype. He comes and there's his presence. Amen. And if we're living in the days of the Holy Spirit, since the day of Pentecost, because the Holy Spirit came, there came a sound from heaven like a, Mighty rushing wind came and filled all the house where they were sitting. 
Then it appeared unto them, divided tongues like a fire, and came and set upon them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the house. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can see the house was filled. That's the presence. And then they were filled. That's the indwelling presence. So there's the corporate presence, indwelling presence. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the Holy Spirit has not left. He's still here, moving the same way that he has moved throughout the ages, just like in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is given as a sample. The Bible tells us that all of these things are given as end samples to us so that we can see. So the book of Acts is a sample. It's a sampling of the first 33 and a half years of the church age. doesn't have everything in it. Impossible. Even the Gospels, just a sampling of 33 and a half years of Jesus. And the Bible says if all the things he did and taught were written, there would not be enough books. The world could not contain the books. And the same thing with the book of Acts. And we know that since the book of Acts continues, how many chapters are there? Billions and billions and billions of chapters have been added to the book of Acts through people that have lived throughout the church age. Your life is adding chapters to the book of Acts. Because it has no end. It's the only book of the New Testament that doesn't have a farewell, amen. It just kind of stops. Why? Because it's continuing. Because the Holy Ghost hasn't stopped. It's just Luke stopped writing. But they are, they're, they're given as samples. Those chapters are given as samples for us to see what we can have. What's available to us. How we are to live. And it also shows us the growth of the early church. A baby church becomes an infant church, then becomes a mature church. So all the different ministry operations and offices are established throughout the book of Acts for us to see. So even when you look at the book of Acts, you can't just go to chapter 2 and 3 and, and, and say, okay, well, that's the fullness of the church. Because it's not. Because the fullness of the church is being revealed throughout the book of Acts. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. And people go and say, well, look at this. I mean, the early church, they, they met in houses, house to house. Yeah, because they didn't have any buildings. They didn't even have any pastors. So you can't just take the, the first few chapters and say that's, that's how it's supposed to be. It's, it's a glimpse, but it, it evolved. It grew. God added to it. Later you see, you, you only see apostles in the beginning. Later you see elders, pastors, you see evangelists. First time you see evangelists, Philip the uh, evangelist in Acts chapter 8 goes down to Samaria, preaches Christ unto them, signs, wonders, miracles, casting out devils, and there was great joy in the city. But he's an evangelist, so he calls the apostles to establish the church. He knows his ministry. He doesn't try to go establish a church. He calls the apostles to establish a church. Then you see prophets and teachers in Antioch chapter 13 and then you see the different ministry gifts begin to come into operation so you have to follow it through and so that's what happens is people get a little bit of this a little bit of that and start running with it you got to have the full picture Amen. you got to have the full picture you have to have the full counsel of the word of god Amen. you can't just take a little bit here and a little bit of there mix it together and and make up your own thing yeah. that's why everything you have to rightly divide the word of truth because there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Because we can literally go to the book of Leviticus, read it, and go, oh, okay, let's bring in some animals to sacrifice here. 
No, that's, that's done away with. So you have to read that in context. You have to read that under the light of the New Testament. And even the book of Acts, you have to read in that regards. Hallelujah. And we no longer have any apostles or prophets that bring doctrinal revelation. And there's out there right now, they're claiming that they have, they have chief apostles, chief seer prophets. They're bringing that doctrinal revelation. And you ask them, where do you get that from? Oh, sorry, oh, now you won't find that in the Bible. I got a special revelation. I had an angel visit me. And people are falling for it. Do you realize that's happening right now? Do you realize that's happening right now? And some so-called apostles and prophets have become gurus. And, and everybody follows them. Daddy, Papa, Grandpa, Great Grandpa. I mean, I, just weird stuff goes on out there. People call, calling themselves uh, uh, His Highness, Majesty. Uh, it just goes on and on, and, and people are confused. But so, and that, that brings us to another realm of it. There has to be the Word. We have to break the Word. We have to break the bread of the Word in the church. There has to be good, solid doctrine and teaching and churches have gotten got, gotten away from doctrine because somehow they people think doctrine is boring no 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 doctrine is good i'm preaching doctrine right now i'm giving you basic doctrine this is doctrine and doctrine is good because doctrine keeps us grounded it's our anchor and those are the boundaries and some people don't, want, don't like the boundaries they they want to step step outside of the boundaries of the word of god and have extra biblical experiences leave their bodies travel to third heaven in the morning in the afternoon come back for lunch i mean it's like you know hold my hand we're gonna get get in an elevator i'll take you to the third heaven you smell the vanilla i mean no this is this is happening people are going people are going to so-called prophetic conferences even as we speak even in this city they have their disciples they have their people they they take people on it's basically astro travel it's new age they have opened the pandora's box to new age in the church and a lot of the charismatic movement has become polluted so you have to have sound doctrine we teach the word here we have a bible school we have discipleship that's why we have we have curriculums for men we have curriculum for women we have we have curriculum we do things with the youth amen the youth are more even more confused than you can imagine they're confused about who they are. They're confused if they're a male or female. We're dealing with that kind of stuff. The garbage that they, they're indoctrinated with. And the stuff the parents tolerate. And, and then we got youth that come to, this, to the youth service. Parents don't even go to church. Try to work with that. You got them for two, three hours here. And then they got them the rest of the week. And they beat them up. And you got to bring your children to the church. Amen. You've got to bring your kids to church. You, you have to be here in church. I'm not liking something I'm seeing with some families. I see some families once a month in church. What's going on with that? Well, we took the, you know, we took the Sunday for a family day. This is family. You've got to teach your children the importance of spiritual family. Because you're setting a wrong example. 
I'm telling you right now, that's going to backfire on you. Mark my words. I've done this 27 years. It will backfire on you. They'll like the beach more than they'll like the church. And when you're gone and they're grown up and they're in college, they'll never go to church. This is the time. It's, it's too late. You know what? A child's moral fiber and moral character is formed by the age of seven or eight. After that, it becomes harder and harder. Don't think you're going to wait till they're teenagers to teach them the word. It's too late. You've got to get them in church now. You've got to get them under the fire now. I love it when I see videos of three, four, five-year-olds playing at home. Instead of, they, they, they got their dolls, but they're going fire, fire, baptizing the babies, fire. One of them is catching the baby. That's why I, I want to see them raised up in that, in the Holy Ghost. That becomes normal. That becomes their way of life. They know that that's, that's how it's supposed to be. And when they go to some one-hour dry cleaning skim milk service, they go, what, the, what is this? I, I think the Apostle Peter, if he walked into many churches today, he would look around and go, what meaneth this? This is church. Church? You call this church? What? Hallelujah. For me, churches come here, stand up, lift your hands. As you do, the power of God comes on you, boom. That's church. Children need to be exposed to that. They don't just color books. That's why we want to put the anointing on them. Teach them the word. Basic doctrine, even. Because we gotta, we got to shape their moral compass. Amen. And if you come from a background where it's a mess, make a decision. I want to get things right. I want to get plugged in. Pastor, help me. We have team. We have everybody here. We got help me to grow. Help me to become the person I'm called to be. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to just hang out with the... Hallelujah. <laughs> If you want to be an eagle, you can't hang out with the chickens. That's why we, 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 we value our, the presence of God here. We value, value, highly value and honor and revere the presence of the Holy Spirit here. Every service, Holy Spirit, you're very welcome to come and do whatever it is you want to do. And if joy breaks out, I just, I just stand here. I'm not going to stop anything. Let, him, let, it, let the Holy Spirit f flow and move. I, I'm not in charge. He is. I'm not trying to control him. I'm not going to touch the anointing and die. You're kidding me. So we're in the age of the Holy Spirit. The church age. The grace age. The gifts. The grace gifts. The charisma. That's why the whole charismatic name comes from charisma means the gifts of the spirit charismatic church is really that terminology was really shaped in the late 60s and 70s when there was a period of time and a revival swept through mainly united states and then of course went around the world but it was called the charismatic revival it was because it was a revival of the outpouring of the holy spirit that broke out in mainline denominational churches even catholic churches methodist episcopal presbyterian vegetarian baptist Maybe, maybe not Baptist. No, Baptist. I think they had some of it. But I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I can pick on the Baptist because I used to be with them. So anyways. But, uh, and, you know, and, and whatever else you have out there, you know, 
So they experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the gifts of the Spirit was people receiving the baptism, the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. The kind of the modern day worship movement came out of that. The whole Jesus people with the hippies, the guitar, you know, and just one guy with the guitar leading worship. No, you know, no shoes, uh, shirt. I think there's a movie that's coming out about that. I, I haven't seen it, but I don't know if it's any good, but hopefully it's good. But it's about what happened in California with when the hippies started coming in the church. All the stiff and stuffy and starchy three-piece suit people started leaving. And there was one pastor said, you know, let's welcome them. And they, they didn't want them. They're coming with no shirts, no shoes, hippies. I mean, long-haired dudes. Cut your hair before you can get saved. No. <laughs> it came out of that. The movement started. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But one of the issues was because they, a lot of them came out of mainline denominational churches. They kind of, over a period of time, maybe about 10 years or so, the focus and emphasis was just on the gifts of the Spirit. And there was almost no teaching. So they didn't have sound doctrine. So they started to prophesy all kinds of garbage and have all kinds of weird angelic things and angels with names coming to them, to, you know, whatever. Angel Emma. And they built whole doctrines from what Angel Emma gave them. Isn't that right? I studied the whole thing out. I'm a researcher. I read everything. I study everything. So I'm not talking about something I don't know anything about. I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of research and all of this stuff. And that's why then later on, you know, you see what was called to be the Word of Faith movement came. Just a lot of teaching to kind of bring doctrinal. But then they became dry and stuck up themselves. Amen. Became very regimented. They have all their confessions, but no presence. And then, you know, so God has to always bring renewal movements. So we have to always remain on the cutting edge. Never think that we have everything and we are it. I mean, we do have everything in terms of we have everything in the Bible. We have everything in the Holy Spirit. But we can't think that we are it. You have to always be open. And listen, as long as you're open to the Holy Spirit, he'll always lead you anyways. You'll always stay fresh and on the cutting edge. You'll always stay in the move. Because ultimately, what is revival? It's just a move of the Holy Spirit being restored back to the church. And God's people falling in love with Jesus all over again, coming back to their first love, their hearts committed and surrendered to the Lord and, and just on fire, basically. That's revival. That's all revival is. So that's why we have to cultivate that. We, cult we, we endeavor to cultivate that here. Keep things pure and then make sure that the Holy Spirit has the place of honor that he can move however he wants to move. Amen. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.